going to preach out of Second Peter. Um, this is the beginning of the letter, and it's verses 1 to 10. And if you've got a Bible, you can certainly turn to it. If not, I know it's going to be up on the screen for you. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith as precious as ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be yours in abundance in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything, everything needed for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Thus he has given us through these things his precious and very great promises so that through them you may escape from the corruption that is in the world because of lust and may become participants of the divine nature. For this very reason, you must make every effort to support your faith with goodness and goodness with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with endurance and endurance with godliness and godliness with mutual affection and mutual affection with love. For if these things are yours and are increasing among you, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For anyone who lacks these things is short-sighted and blind and is forgetful of the cleansing of past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more eager to confirm your call and election. For if you do this, you will never stumble. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this unexpected but wonderful opportunity. Help us do something good with it. In your name we pray. Amen. So I have to confess to you that there is, there is a part of me that is so bummed that Ben could not be with us this morning. Because I know that those of you who have met him love Ben and you love to hear him preach and you love to hear about his adventures and all the places that he's been. And Ben has done some truly, truly amazing things for the kingdom. And he's helped our congregation do some amazing things for the kingdom. But if I'm going to be honest with you, there's a little part of me that's kind of relieved that he didn't make it. Because I know how many of you love Ben, and I know how many of you love to hear him preach, and I know how you love to hear about his adventures. And because Ben has done some truly amazing things for the kingdom, and he comes here each year, and he blows through this place like a tornado of joy, and then the following week, we all show up, and you realize, gosh, we're stuck with hope again. <laughs> and, and I don't have those stories of, of adventure and, and challenge and danger of, of spreading the gospel in foreign lands. And, and I don't get the luxury of getting to preach the same exact sermon to a different audience every single week. Because if I did that, right, it would make me look like I'm this amazing speaker with this profound insights that just flow naturally and with such joy and exuberance. So no, no. The most adventurous thing that happened to me this week was showing up for an outreach meeting at Sug Middle School with their brand new principal, only to discover that I was exactly one week early. (laughs) It's true. Um, I've been listening to Ben's preaching and hearing about his adventures for many, many years now, much longer than than this congregation has heard. And and at first, I got to tell you, I was so impressed. And I was so amazed 
because Ben was doing extraordinary things for the kingdom. So I got to this place of inspiration. I decided that, that I wanted to be just like Ben. So back in 2003, Ben was launching a new initiative, and this time he was going to go start setting up churches in Vietnam. And I wanted to go like crazy. But Ben said no. And up until that point, he had been absolutely willing to take me anywhere, anywhere in the world that I wanted to go. But in 2003, he said no, because we had all just found out that I was pregnant. And he wasn't willing to put me, or baby, now Anna, in any kind of danger. So after that, after realizing that Ben wasn't going to let me go on the dangerous trips anymore, I spent a long time coveting the work of my friend and feeling very badly that what I appeared to be doing was so very small in comparison to what he was doing because he was traveling the world and I was stuck in one tiny little corner of it. I think many followers of Christ go through this kind of feeling, maybe not to that extent, but many of us feel that the gifts that we have to offer the kingdom just aren't worth very much in comparison to what we seem to think others can offer the kingdom. So let me say right off the bat, thank God that he didn't call you to be somebody else. God never asked me to be Ben. God didn't equip me to be Ben. And to show you this, to show you how ill-equipped I am to be Ben, since he is not here, I am going to tell you one of Ben's classic stories. It's the one that he tells every time that he comes here, just as a quick introduction to himself. But I'm going to tell you the story as if it was me going and, and not Ben. So, so please listen carefully because I have put some effort in, into this story for you. So there I was going down the Congo River with my combat fatigues, the pack on my back, and a machete knife in my pocket. I hadn't showered in four days, and the last meal I had was live caterpillars and some sort of swamp water that I'm pretty sure is going to cause dysentery. And all of a sudden, there we were on this boat, and arrows went flying across the bow, and I knew that we were surrounded. I saw the water starting to bubble up through the floor, and it was very clear that they were trying to sink us. So me and the crew, we need a crew, so we're going to picture Pastor Reed and Pastor Sung on this trip <laughs> with me. It just got good, didn't it? It's going to get really exciting now. We decided to abandon the ship, and we put our packs over our head, and we, we started walking to the shoreline just praying that they weren't going to shoot us. So we get to the shore, and we're soaking wet, and we're smelling of caterpillar breath, and I find myself face-to-face -face with the leader of, of some tribe whose name is 48,000 letters long, and I can't pronounce it, and his spear is pointed right at my chest. And immediately, immediately, with the gifts that God gave to me, I said to him, are you new to the area? <laughs> what part of the north did you come from? <laughs> not recognizing anything that sounded like Michigan, Ohio, or New York, it dawns on me, we are not in Florida anymore. So it was clear that it was time for Pastor Reed to take the lead in this situation. Now, 
Now, Pastor Reed has a very different set of gifts than I do. And, and one of those gifts that, that Pastor Reed has, and I, and I love to talk about this, is he has this wonderful smile. And he's so warm and he's so inviting. So, so Pastor Reed goes to the front. He goes to the face to face with this leader. And he, he flashes a big smile, but, but he's nervous. He's nervous. And, and he, he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out this old, worn photograph. Beloved, you can tell that he takes this with him everywhere he goes. And, and he starts to unwrap it very slowly. And his hands are shaking. And he, he puts it in front of the man. And he says, Peyton Manning. <laughs> do, do you know who he is? Do you... Do you want to know him? <laughs> and the blank expression on the face of the chief clearly indicates that he is a Patriots fan. And Reed, <laughs> Reed just walks away in disgust. So that leaves the fate of the entire crew resting in the hands of Pastor Sung, who by this point, and I think Neil Young could attest that this truly does happen, has pulled out his cell phone. And he is in search on the Yelp app, of course, for the nearest Chinese food restaurant. <laughs> because that's really Pastor Sung's gift. And so, but for the grace of God, the chief notices this little camera-like icon on Pastor Sung's phone, and, and he takes the phone from Pastor Sung, and he says, Photo. Pastor Ben takes photos when he comes. So even out in the middle of the Congo, it is very clear that we cannot compete with Ben. Good thing nobody ever asked us to. But let's just imagine Pastor Ben as the pastor of the church. Ben, who, who doesn't particularly like schedules, who is not extremely gifted with patience, who knows tons and tons and tons about mission, very little about pastoral care, Ben, who works with an extensive network of people all over the world and has a support staff of 20 in Atlanta, Ben, who can last for about 10 minutes with English-speaking children before he runs away in fear greater than that of a fear of terrorists, Ben, who is always seeking another river, another tribe, another adventure, how long do you think Pastor Ben is going to last in a single church. It's a good thing that nobody's ever asked him to pastor one. At the end of the day, no matter how each one of us feels about what God has called us to do, we've got to get the perspective that it's not about us. It's just not. It's about what God is doing with us. So the apostle Peter wrote to those who have received the faith as precious as ours, through the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be yours in abundance in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything needed, everything needed given to us for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Therefore, he has given us through these things his precious and very great promises so that through them we can escape from the corruption in the world because of lust and we may become participants 
We get to become participants in the divine nature. Peter is writing to people who are just like you and me. He's writing to all of those who have received Jesus Christ in their hearts and who are seeking to follow him. Peter says that that in Christ, we have already been given everything that we need. We already have it. We don't have to go looking for it. God already gave it to us for life and for godliness. Not, not that God gave us everything that we need to lead Ben's life. That's not what God gave to us, unless, of course, we're Ben. But God created you with a plan for his purpose. He equipped you for that specific purpose. And here's the big news. We're not all equipped alike. Because we all don't have the same exact purpose, which is why I have no more business leading a team through the Amazon than Ben does leading the prayer shawl ministry of this church. And the reason that God gave you specific gifts with a specific purpose is so that you, every one of you, could become a participant in the divine nature. You're supposed to be doing, doing something with what God gave you. You're not supposed to be doing something with what God gave Ben or what God gave to me. He gave you something that I don't have. God gave you gifts with a very distinct purpose in mind. His purpose, not yours. For this very reason, writes Peter, you must make every effort to support that faith with goodness and goodness with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with endurance and endurance with godliness, and godliness with mutual affection, and mutual affection with love. We all have a gift, every single one of us. But the truth is that many of us don't support our faith in a way that develops our gifts. We don't take the time to discover the difference between our gifts and our interests. Have you ever met somebody that's really interested in something, and they think they're really good at it, and you don't have the heart to tell them that, that's not probably what you're supposed to be doing, right? Often, our pride keeps us from working with others to to discern and and affirm our gifts because we're afraid that that they might not confirm what we think are our gifts. And and worse, they might actually go and find some gift that that we don't want to use, I want you to think about what that's like for pastors, particularly pastors in our little part of Christianity. We get a college degree, then we go get a master's degree, and then we have to take five different exams. And guess what? Even after all of that, all of those classes, all that money, all that time, all those exams, even after that, some of us might not ever get to be pastors. Why? Because we happen to believe that our gifts have to be affirmed by other people. So you don't actually get to be reverend until a church calls you to be their pastor. In in our tradition, the whole church body votes on the pastor. And there are times when those votes don't go well. There are people who never get calls. And there's good, strong chances because they think that they have a gift that that the body just doesn't see. And God is trying like crazy to tell them that they need to move their gifts in a different direction. 
But sometimes we're so arrogant, we're so self-righteous that, that we think that some gifts are more important than others. And because some gifts are more important than others and we're important people, we should only have important gifts. My friends, it's, it's not about us. It, it's about God and what God is trying to accomplish in his mission for the world. So let me ask a question. We're just going to be honest here. Just going to be honest. How many of you have the gift of ironing? Come on now. Somebody does. Look, Sarah, you got a good man right there. All right. So the gift of ironing. I, I do not. That explains why I married the son of a dry cleaner. But, <laughs> son, there's so many reasons. So many reasons. Um, <clears throat> but here's the thing. The, the church needs the gift of ironing. The church needs the gift of ironing. We need to make sure that vestments, we don't have a lot in here, but sometimes, you know, we put a tablecloth up here. Those need to be ironed. Choir robes need to be ironed. When we have a fellowship gathering and we use the, the tablecloth, those need to be ironed. Why? Why does it matter if they get ironed or not? What's the big deal? And why on earth would that be a gift? Because God called this particular place and these particular people to worship him and to create a place that brings our very best before him in worship in fact worship is the heartbeat of everything that we do and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to notice when we're not at our very best because our wrinkles will give us away every single time ironing is a huge gift in the life of the church. So how do we know? How do we know if each one of us is doing our best and contributing our specific gift to the whole of God's kingdom? Peter writes, for if these things are yours and are, are yours and are increasing among you, they're going to keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For anyone who lacks these things is short-sighted and blind and is forgetful of the cleansing past of sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more eager to confirm your call and election, for if you do this, you will never stumble. When we take whatever gifts God has given us and we put them to work for his glory, we're all going to feel it. We're all going to feel it because what we're gonna, what's going to happen is we're going to see the kingdom grow. And we're going to see growth in our own lives. When you match up what your gifts and your talents are with God's great need, you're going to grow. You're going to grow in your faith. You're going to grow in your spiritual life. You are going to grow. In the church, when we're putting forth our best gifts, and that means that all of us are doing it, not just some, but everybody's doing it, that's when the church grows. If we all go off to be Ben, then who's going to proclaim the good news here in Bradenton? Don't the people of Bradenton matter to God just as much as the people in South America? In all those days when my heart went chasing after Ben's great adventures, what was that saying about the people that God had called me to at that time to be in ministry with? I love that Peter speaks about endurance in this passage. It takes endurance to be the church together. Isn't it? It's so easy to be the church when everything's great, right? 
when everything's fun and easy and everybody else is doing all the work, that's an easy time to be the church. But it's so much harder to be the church when there's challenges, when there's struggles. So it takes endurance. And it's easy for pastors and and people alike to just, just walk away when it's not exciting anymore, when it gets hard and the adventure seems greater someplace else. But scripture says without endurance, you don't move to godliness. And without godliness, you don't get to experience mutual affection. Without mutual affection, you don't get to that place of love. We grow in love when we endure together in good times and in bad times. And the reason that we can endure is because God put this little church community together and gave us all the gifts. We already have everything in this room that we need to be effective for God's kingdom. So I'm sorry that Ben didn't make it. But I'm really glad that God took this opportunity to remind us that he's already given us all that we need. Right here, right where we are. We might not make it to the Congo. We may not set sail on the Amazon. But we have plenty, plenty of adventurous work to do right here in Bradenton. If you don't believe me, I dare you. I dare you walk into Sug Middle School during a class change. It'll be the most adventurous thing that's happened to you in forever. But God's given us the ability to do highly skilled work that we are uniquely trained for right here in Bradenton. So we're going to cheer Ben on, and we're going to pray for him, and we are going to be so excited when he finally does get down here to visit. But I also want us to be ready to tell him about all that God is doing right here in this place with us because it is really, really exciting. Let's pray together. Lord God, we're going to ask you, we're going to ask you that your spirit would be on the heart of each person in this room right now, that they would look at that sheet that they found in their program this morning and not see whether their gift is great or small, but see that they have a gift that they can give to the life of this community and that it wouldn't be on the list if it wasn't important and vital to who we are as the body of Christ in this place. So Lord, help us. Help us to discover what you have uniquely called and equipped us to be so that we may be a witness for your people here in Bradenton. In your name we pray. Amen.